What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Between the shadows of reality and the fringe of our own fears lurks a world of monsters. Strange creatures and frightening phantoms who test the very boundaries of our science and superstition. It's a realm of mystery and legend, a place of fact and fear. This is Monstro Bizarro. coast of Louisiana, the city lights of New Orleans blaze bright. Throngs of tourists, college kids, and artistic locals celebrate in wild fashion on its famous Bourbon Street year-round. The nightlife here never sleeps as an air of Cajun culture, old-world voodoo, and gothic sensibilities blend with the neon nights and culinary delights in an endless revelry. Yet, in its shadows, beyond the glow of parades and parties just 30 miles away, lies a primitive world known as Honey Island Swamp, where nature's secrets are deep-rooted in a monstrous lore. Among its tangled trees and brackish waters, a creature is said to lurk. A tall, hairy thing that is neither ape, nor wolf, nor reptile. A thing the locals call the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Welcome to this episode of Monstro Bizarro. I'm Lyle Blackburn, your host and guide through this world of monster mysteries and spooky legends. This time, we'll be plunging into the wilds of Honey Island Swamp to investigate the long-standing mystery of a creepy Cajun creature known as the Honey Island Swamp Monster. It's a case that people ask me about frequently and one that I've covered in a few of my books. It's a fascinating tale that has years of eyewitness reports set in a backdrop of prime habitat where just about anything could hide in the miles of swamp spreading out from an area east of New Orleans to the muddy banks of Mississippi. So join me now as I attempt to unlock the secrets of Honey Island and capture a glimpse of its elusive namesake creature. Our tale starts in 1963. That summer, two hunters were walking through the woods of Honey Island Swamp when they came upon something that would forever change the reputation of this rugged patch of coastal lowland. The hunters, Harlan Ford and Billy Mills, said they were headed toward one of their hunting camps north of Bradley Slough, 
when they spotted a massive, hairy creature crouched on all fours with its back to them. At first, they thought it was a wild hog, but then it stood up on two legs. It turned around. They could see then that this was no ordinary animal. According to Harlan Ford, the thing was approximately seven feet tall with slender legs and a broad chest. Its body was covered in a layer of shorter gray hair, while longer hair grew from its head. Its two large, amber-colored eyes focused intently on the two men as they stood frozen, not knowing what to do. The creature gazed at Ford and Mills for several seconds before it bolted into the trees, running upright on two legs. They immediately took off after it, but the creature easily outpaced them and disappeared into the long shadows of the bog. After a few minutes, they gave up the pursuit. The men were bewildered and rattled by what they'd seen. Little did they know, the incident would become the cornerstone of a legend that has become one of the Bayou State's most famous, that of the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Though Honey Island Swamp is located less than an hour's drive from New Orleans' celebrated Bourbon Street, it could not be further from the festive lights and colorful beads. Here, the land is primitive and wild with a massive backdrop of swampy marshes, hardwood bottomlands, and river systems. It lies between the Pearl River on the east, West Pearl River on the west, and Lake Bourne on the south. To this day, it remains one of America's least developed and most pristine swampland habitats, covering nearly 140 square miles. Honey Island was given its name because of the abundant honeybees seen on its islands, yet bees are probably the last thing people think about these days when walking or boating its backwoods. Sure, there is an amazing array of scenic beauty and wildlife there, but the story of the notorious monster has become so well known in the area, it's bound across one's mind, if not their peripheral vision, as soon as the sun starts to set. Sightings of a hairy man-like creature in the area are thought to date back at least a century. Natives referred to it as the Letiche, while the Cajuns called it the Bête Noire, meaning the black thing. In modern times, the sighting by Ford and Mills in 1963 is considered to be one of the first, although they did not report it at the time. It wasn't until the story was featured on a 1978 episode of the television show In Search Of that it became widely known, according to Harlan Ford's granddaughter, Dana Holyfield, who has written extensively on the subject of the monster. Her grandfather was employed as an FAA air traffic controller at the time and also had a pilot's license for small aircraft. On the weekends, he loved to spend his time outdoors, often hunting or fishing deep in the swamp. He was a man who knew his way around every crook of Honey Island and was very knowledgeable about the types of animals that lived there. If he said he saw something strange, you could put stock in that. In the years following their encounter, Ford and Mills kept the details mostly to themselves while keeping a close eye on the swamp in case the creature reappeared. Despite their vigilance, however, 
They didn't see anything else until 1974, when Ford and his son Perry were duck hunting in the swamp. In the course of the hunt, they came upon two dead boars lying near the water with their throats slashed and their bodies mangled. Blood was trickling from the neck of one boar into the water. It appeared that something strong and massive had taken them out. Alligators would have been a good candidate, but gators typically drag their prey into the water, not maim and leave bodies. The hunters were perplexed until they discovered a set of strange footprints nearby that had three large clawed toes and a smaller dewclaw. Harlan immediately thought of the animal he'd encountered a decade before. According to Ford, he did not have plaster at the time, so he returned later to cast several of the impressions, which appeared to be from more than one animal based on differences in the sizes. Now armed with evidence, Ford phoned the game warden at the Louisiana Wildlife Commission and told him about his experiences. The warden examined the tracks and agreed they did not match any known animal. They were also evaluated by Louisiana State Naturalist George Stevens, who concluded the creature must weigh upwards of 400 pounds. The story of the tracks and Ford's seminal sighting were featured in the Swamp Monster episode of the television show In Search Of, along with stories by another local who claimed to have seen the resident monster as well. Ted Williams, an experienced trapper and farmer who had lived in the area all of his life, said he had seen the creature several times prior to 1978, and in one instance, a pair of them together. According to Williams, the beast was approximately seven feet tall, covered in gray hair with long arms, just as Ford and Mills had described. Williams said he'd once seen the creature swimming in the bayou. Williams's claims are interesting, especially in regard to the aquatic behavior, but unfortunately a follow-up interview is not possible. Williams took his boat deep into the swamp one day and never returned. To this day, no one knows what happened to him. In 1973, one year prior to Ford's discovery of the alleged tracks, the Louisiana News Service reported that a local swamp guide had seen a mysterious man-like entity in the swamp. Greg Faulkner, a student who also conducted guided boat tours, says he was boating down a bayou channel when he, quote, rolled over something that caused his outboard motor to kick up. Faulkner told reporters he stopped and looked to see if he could see what he had run over, and when he couldn't find anything, he kept going up the bayou. He happened to look back, and that's when he saw a man-like animal come out of the water and walk up onto the bank. He described it as being about five feet tall and black in color although he couldn't tell if it had hair or it was just skin due to it being wet. He said it ran on two legs into the woods and quickly disappeared. Faulkner turned the boat around and motored back to the spot where the thing had emerged from the water. There he found a set of what he described as fairly large tracks with five webbed toes. Whatever this thing was, it seemed very well adapted to the watery environment. Even further back, in 1960, Dudley Clark and three of his friends were hunting about 30 miles from Honey Island Swamp when they saw what they described as a giant, 
hairy ape-looking thing deep in the woods. This was three years prior to the famous sighting by Ford and Mills, which, up until recently, was considered to be the first modern report of the creature. I found out about this older incident, however, when I came across Louisiana musician Kenneth Clark. According to Kenneth, his father Dudley was adamant that he and his friends had seen something several years earlier. They had never heard of the Honey Island Swamp Monster at the time, of course, so they were not sure what to make of it. Clark said the hunters watched the thing for a few moments until it caught sight of them, then it ran deeper into the woods. When they examined the area where the thing had been standing, they found three-toed footprints. The whole thing was very strange and gave the hunters an eerie feeling as they left the woods that day. During my research into the Honey Island case, I was fortunate to have been contacted by another early witness whose account has never been made public. The witness, Des Crawford, told me she had seen a strange animal near Honey Island Swamp in 1967, still years before the legend was widely known. During a personal interview, Crawford told me that when she was a child, her dad and uncle would regularly take their families camping and fishing in the Honey Island Swamp area. They lived in New Orleans and enjoyed the outdoors, so the location was perfect for weekend getaways. On this particular weekend, they loaded the families into two big cars and headed to a campsite along the Pearl River. There were eight kids, including Dez, along with their parents. After the adults and older kids had set up the tents and a pop-up camper, they spent the rest of the day playing, fishing, and catching frogs as they usually did. By supper time, they had caught enough for a big fish dinner, which they enjoyed by the fire. As the sun was starting to set, Crawford and her younger cousin took leave to use the bathroom in the woods. They ventured far enough out so the boys would not see them. The girls each found a spot and went about their business. Crawford finished up and was just about to rejoin her cousin when she looked up and noticed a peculiar, hairy animal standing a short distance away. It was looking directly at her, as if watching curiously. I looked up, and on the other side of a small clearing, I saw what I thought was a scruffy gorilla standing there. It was getting dusky and the sun was getting low, but I could still see it very clearly. It stood upright with its arms at its side, kind of leaning at an angle, just looking at me. It wasn't showing its teeth or anything like it was scared or angry. It just had this neutral expression. For some reason, I thought it was a girl gorilla because the chest had two soft-looking protrusions that were more like breasts than pectorals. Crawford was both concerned and astonished as she watched the creature, trying to figure out what it was. Although her first impression was gorilla, she knew that wasn't quite right since gorillas were normally black. This thing had reddish fur like an orangutan, yet she was sure it was not that type of an ape either. She stood transfixed, as did the animal, for several moments. There was a noise from camp and that that seemed to break the spell. At that point it turned around and quickly walked into the woods on two legs. It didn't make any noise and it didn't run, but somehow it just moved very fast. It was, it was a really strange animal. 
Crawford grabbed her cousin and they ran back to camp with Crawford shouting that there was a gorilla in the woods. The adults were skeptical but couldn't deny the fact that Crawford was visibly shaken. She had obviously seen something. The men grabbed a shotgun from the car and had young Dez show them where she had seen the alleged gorilla. After looking around, they sent her back to camp and went searching through the brush. A short time later, they returned, saying they had not seen anything. They concluded that Dez had actually seen a bear. As an adult, Crawford still remembers the incident clearly. It made such an impression on her at the time, not only because she was convinced it was not a bear, because she was the kind of kid who loved and studied all sorts of animals. She described the creature as being about as tall as a door in her childhood estimation, with a smooth face and light-colored eyes, no neck, no snout, and no visible ears. It resembled a primate, but did not seem as apish as one would expect. At the time, she could only believe it had escaped from a zoo. She had never heard of Bigfoot, much less the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Although this incident took place four years after Ford and Mills claimed they saw something in 1963, their account would not be made public for another decade. Whatever Crawford saw was not influenced by a preconceived notion of a swamp monster. I spoke with Crawford on quite a few occasions and found her to be extremely credible, well-spoken, and very detail-oriented. I wondered why she had never come forward with a story prior to her sharing with me and my late colleague Dr. John Bendernagel, but I already knew the reason. Like other witnesses who saw strange things back in those days, she suffered ridicule. When she shared the story with friends, no one believed her, and on some occasions she was even made fun of. So naturally, she stopped talking about it all those years ago, and only confided in a few people, such as her husband. Even if she was young at the time, I have no doubt she saw what she said she saw. The fact that her account has never been made public before now makes it all the more intriguing. Once the story of the Honey Island Swamp Monster was disseminated in the 1970s, other reports began to creep out of the swamp. One of these reports was made by Herman Broom, Broom said he was in the swamp near Lateral Canal, close to the location of Ford's initial sighting, when he came upon a hairy beast with a man-like face. The creature lingered a few moments before retreating into the woods. He and several others pursued it, but it was simply too evasive. Another report came from witnesses living on the east side of the Pearl River near Honey Island. Dianca Bridgewater said that in 1975, she was awakened by her neighbor's dog one night. It was barking furiously, so she and her siblings got out of bed to see what the commotion was. When they looked out the window, they saw something squatted down in the garden, apparently eating vegetables. Moonlight was the only illumination, but they could see it fairly well since it was only about 25 feet away. They could literally hear the sound of it eating through their open window. Bridgewater said the thing was built like a human, yet it was much more animal-like with dark, shaggy brown hair. She couldn't tell exactly how tall it would have been if it was standing. 
but could see that it was larger than an average person at least. Once the sisters realized what they were looking at, they began to scream. When the thing heard the sound, it turned and looked, but it continued to eat as it eyed them. It seemed to have no fear and made no attempt to retreat or hide. It simply watched them warily with its eyes that seemed to glow white in the moonlight. The commotion eventually woke up their grandfather. When he came into the room, looked out the window and saw the thing, he quickly grabbed his gun and ran outside. He fired it into the air. Bridgewater said they watched from the window in horror as the thing stood up and ran on two legs toward the river. It was fleet and fast and disappeared into the darkness within moments. The following morning, the family ventured outside to inspect their garden. There, they found large, human-like footprints in the soil. They had no idea what kind of thing it was, but it was a truly harrowing experience. Five years later, on the Louisiana side of the Pearl River, two hunters were approaching the bank on a cloudy, misty morning when they heard a loud splash. They turned to see a dark-haired, muscular creature standing with its back to them on the river's edge. They watched as it pulled a cypress stump from the mud and threw it into the river. The hunters were completely dumbstruck by the sight. Surely they couldn't be seeing such a creature. But they were, and within a few more seconds, it saw them too. It must have either sensed or smelled the men, because it turned and looked directly at them before walking briskly away down the river. When it turned, they could see its face was hairless around the nose and mouth area, much like an ape. The thing appeared to be about six or seven feet tall, stood upright, and looked very heavy. After they felt it was safe, the hunters walked to the area where the man-thing had been standing. There they found what they described as large human-like footprints, much larger than a man. Judging from other cypress stumps in the vicinity, the creature must have been very strong to have picked one up and thrown it at any considerable distance into the water. Needless to say, the men left the area as fast as they could. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. During one of my own visits to Honey Island Swamp, I spoke to Dan Holyfield, Dana Holyfield's father, who told me of a strange experience he had in the late 1980s. Dan said he had been turkey hunting one evening when he was returning to his home by boat along the Pearl River. Just about the time the sun set, he hit something in the water that caused his engine to sputter out. A few seconds later, he caught sight of something swimming away from the boat. When it reached the shore, it crawled out and stood up on two legs. It was hard to see in the dim twilight, 
but it appeared to be wearing a dark covering of some kind as it shook off the water and loped towards the woods. Dan assumed it must have been a person, but he could not imagine why a person would be out there swimming in the dark river. Dan called out, asking if the person was okay, but the strange figure only glanced back a moment before it faded into the darkness. Puzzled, but still under the assumption it was an injured person, Dan maneuvered his boat to the shore where he scanned for blood with his small flashlight. No blood was visible. However, there were three-toed tracks that looked very much like those that Ford cast in 1974. Dan got out of his boat and cautiously followed the trackway, but never located the strange bipedal figure. The connection to water and the action of swimming seems to be prominent in many of the reports. Not to mention Dan's experience is eerily similar to the one reported by the Swamp Guide in 1973. In a similar case, Jason Holburn was at a place called Debbie's Ditch one night during a bright full moon when he and an unnamed person noticed something walking on two legs across a canal approximately 50 yards away. When it reached the other side, it shook the water from its hair and walked into the woods. They never saw it again. While the majority of strangeness in Honey Island Swamp seems to involve a large, hairy, man-like creature, there are reports of other shadowy creatures, in particular black panthers. Panthers are, of course, real animals, but in terms of the black variety of North American wildcat, technically they don't exist. The term black panther can be confusing since it doesn't necessarily refer to a distinct species of cat, but rather to any black, melanistic specimens of any genus of large cat. For example, black panthers in Latin America are actually black jaguars, and in Asia or Africa they are black leopards. In North America, however, the term black panther generally refers to black cougars. The problem here is that no specimen of cougar has ever been proven to have this variant. The cougar, also known as the mountain lion or puma, is always tan or gray in color with a lighter underbelly. Rumored sightings of presumed black cougars have circulated in North America for at least a century, but as of yet, these shadowy felines remain unconfirmed and wholly classified as cryptids. My first indication of a black panther phenomenon in Honey Island Swamp came when I checked into a motel in the area prior to an excursion into the swamp. While checking in, I struck up a conversation with Bud Westmore, the motel's manager, which naturally led to some discussion about the Honey Island Swamp monster. Westmore had an interest in the subject, but did not know anyone who had ever seen the alleged creature. However, he did tell me that he and several others had seen a huge black cat roaming the woods of the Pearl River Wildlife Management Area. Westmore told me his sighting occurred one evening in 2010 while he was deer hunting with his son. They were sitting in a tree stand near Peach Lake Cutoff as the day was just starting to succumb to dusk. The woods had been unusually quiet and Westmore didn't have much hope that the deer would move in before dark. Just before he decided to call it quits and climb down, 
he glanced out of the deer stand one last time. Something caught his eye. At first, it looked like a moving shadow, but after a moment, he realized it was a huge black cat. Westmore nudged his son. They both watched the cat move silently along the edge of a small clearing next to the wood line. It was dark, black in color, and was much larger than any domestic cat he'd ever seen. Its movements were fluid, almost ethereal, as it crept another twenty yards or so before it turned and vanished into the trees. Westmore felt a chill run through his body. The predator was like a living shadow, silent and deadly. Even though he was armed, the thought of climbing down from the stand and walking through the woods at that moment was alarming, especially since he was with his young son. Ultimately, the descending darkness only made the prospect worse, so Westmore made the decision to go ahead and leave. As they walked from the woods, he kept a wary eye out, although he knew no amount of vigilance would stop an animal like that from stalking them. Westmore recalled the cat as being a uniformly solid black color with no appearance of muted spots, which suggests it could have been a melanistic cougar as opposed to a black leopard or jaguar. Even though jaguars have been known to inhabit several of America's southern states, they have never been known to roam Louisiana. If it were a black cougar, then Westmore saw something that is completely undocumented. A few months later, Westmore mentioned the incident to a game warden as they were discussing the hunting season. To Westmore's surprise, the warden said he had also seen the creature. It was strictly off the record, but he had no doubt some sort of mysterious panther was residing there. During my travels, I met another eyewitness who claimed he saw a black panther near Honey Island in the summer of 2015. Randy Lee told me he was driving into the game reserve one evening with his wife when a large female hog and her baby scrambled across the road in front of them. A few seconds later, a dark cat jumped from the woods and ran across the road very quickly, presumably in pursuit of the hogs. Lee described it as being larger than a domestic cat and covered in sleek black fur. Like a moving shadow, it was there one second and gone the next. When it comes to evidence for the swamp's most famous creature, the prospects are controversial. In addition to Harlan Ford's track castings, film footage has also surfaced. Ford's wife said she discovered a reel of 8mm film in her husband's personal effects years after his death in 1980. The film, which was labeled Honey Island Swamp Monster, contains a sequence in which a large bipedal figure is seen walking through the woods. The film appears to have been shot from the vantage point of a tree stand with the subject approximately 50 yards away. During the sequence, the dark, presumably hairy, man-like figure enters from the right side of the frame and walks to the left side of the frame. It's partially obscured by shadows, trees, and undergrowth, but undoubtedly looks like a Bigfoot. Could this be the infamous Honey Island Swamp Monster? If so, why would Ford not reveal this amazing evidence while he was still alive? As these type of unknown creature films go, it's really one of the better examples. 
The film stock looks like legitimate 8mm, and the creature's movements, while admittedly human-esque, don't raise an immediate red flag to suggest it's a hoax. There is a jump cut edit at the beginning of the footage which seems odd, but this could be the result of several factors such as accidentally hitting the record on-off button after the figure had already entered the frame. The figure is not clear enough to rule out a person in a costume, but conversely, it is not clear enough to say it isn't. Ford's granddaughter, Dana Holyfield, believes the footage to be authentic and theorizes that her grandfather decided not to release it in order to keep the world from converging on his beloved wilderness in an effort to capture or harvest the creature. Another explanation might be that it was some sort of test footage or an idea for a documentary or a movie based on his experiences and was never meant to be considered as actual evidence. Speculation aside, the creature in the footage looks more like a traditional Bigfoot and not the creature with slender legs and a broad chest and gray hair as initially described by Harlan Ford. In fact, during a 1970s interview with a New Orleans television station, Ford himself stated he did not believe the Honey Island Swamp Monster was related in any way to the well-known Bigfoot or Falk Monster of Boggy Creek. This opinion was presumably based on both its physique and the anatomy of the tracks Ford claimed to have found in 1974. Despite the vague endorsements by the authorities, the nature of Ford's tracks and their authenticity has also been highly debated over the years. First, the three major toes appeared to be long and finger-like with possible claws, which is not typical of Bigfoot tracks or even those of a known primate. There have been cases where man-apes appear to have three main toes, including the Falk monster of Boggy Creek and others noted across the south, but the basic anatomy of those tracks remains closer to human or primate than anything else. The supposed Honey Island monster tracks, however, are more reminiscent of a reptilian creature with their alligator-like appearance. I have a copy of the Ford track in my own personal collection, so I've definitely seen it up close. To further confuse matters, a fake shoe, if you will, was brought forth several years ago by a local resident who said he found it in the swamp. The shoe, which is fitted with a three-clawed foot identical to the famous track, was presented to two independent researchers from Mississippi who concluded it could have been used to create Harlan's famous tracks. Dana Holyfield looked into the matter herself and discovered the shoe size was smaller than her grandfather's foot. Without casting aspersions, she stated, anyone can take an existing plaster track and make fake shoe tracks to trek through the mud and claim it was a hoax. There are any number of speculations that can be made here, but in the end, the authenticity of the tracks and the film footage will remain a mystery now that Ford is no longer with us. The monster, however, is still with us. Sightings of the creature continue to this day, with one having been reported in 2012. In this case, a local woman said she was driving home from work not far from Honey Island Swamp when she saw a large, hairy creature run across the road. 
She watched it climb over a gate and run into the woods. I received another report in response to my book, Sinister Swamps. The witness, in this case, said he was hunting in the woods of Honey Island in 2015 when he heard some movement in the trees about 30 yards away. He was not in a deer stand, but was sitting quietly on a log after having walked a good distance. When he heard the noise, he looked carefully to see if he could see an animal. At first, he saw nothing, but finally caught a glimpse of something hairy moving through the tangled brush. From what he could tell, it was brownish in color and appeared to be taller than a deer or hog. As the hunter watched curiously, the thing moved through the trees at an angle, coming closer as it did. When it was about 20 yards away, it stepped into a low, boggy area that was in a partial clearing. The witness could now see the creature was walking upright on two legs and appeared to be something like a scraggly Bigfoot, as he put it. The thing was covered in brown hair and had a rather muscular-looking body and broad shoulders. He couldn't see its face, but the head looked roundish with no visible ears. The hunter said a wave of fear rushed through his body as soon as he realized this was not a normal animal. He must have gasped because the thing suddenly took off through the bog and disappeared into the dusky woods. The witness turned and ran, praying the thing was not going to pursue him. It was something that he could not rationalize then, or even now. It's simply unexplainable, he told me, as he affirmed several times that this was not a bear or a human. Honey Island Swamp is indeed a place where the unexplainable hangs in the air like a mist on its black waters. I've been there myself and experienced the eerie feeling that one gets in this swamp. Ah, that means it's time for Monstro Mail, where I answer your most intriguing questions about these subjects. If you listened to the previous episode, I had the dogman fetch the mail. Well, unfortunately, I had to fire the dogman. It turns out he was more interested in chewing on the mail as opposed to delivering it to me. But alas, I will forge on. And the first question we have today is from listener Morgan Banafort. Morgan asks, How do you determine a witness's credibility and make sure they are not lying for fun or attention? That's a question that comes up quite a bit, and while there's no way to ultimately know if someone truly saw what they said they saw, there's some pretty good indicators that give me a good sense of the person's credibility. First, when I speak to someone, whether it's over the phone or in person, I can get a sense of their demeanor and purpose just in the way they present the information, and, and really in the way they speak. Do they sound intelligent, rational, truthful? I can get a good sense of their potential credibility just in that conversation. Another factor is their emotional reaction, both in the interview and in their description of how they reacted to seeing something that that is seemingly incredible and or frightening. Does that reaction fit the circumstances of the sighting? If it was scary or traumatic, many times I can hear this in the witness's voice or actually see it on their face in person, 
which gives me a good sense that it actually happened or not. And I can often tell by the level of detail whether the encounter sounds truthful. If they say they saw a creature for a few seconds, yet give me so many fine details about facial features, body structure, teeth size, eye color, exact height, all that sort of thing, it can be a red flag. And also the details about how the alleged creature reacted. I've documented enough cases of strange creatures that I have a good sense of how they typically would react when running into a human. I also gauge whether the person seems to be looking for attention, like asking immediately if I can put their encounter on a TV show, or whether they are kind of reluctant to share the info. You know, that all those things put together give me a good sense about their truthfulness. You know, this isn't an exact science, and some people could even beat a lie detector. But for the most part, I can get a good sense of the person's credibility just simply because I've interviewed so many people over the years. It's like, say, a detective who's been interrogating criminals, you know, for his whole career. Based on my experience, I've developed a good sense of whether people are lying or whether, unfortunately, they're just plain crazy or seeking attention. Evans Bailey says, Fantastic podcast, Lyle. Congratulations. What other cryptids or subjects will you be covering in future episodes? Well, without offering a complete list of what I have planned, I can tell you that there will be a lot of quality content coming on this podcast. I've researched so many of these monster cases over the years and those and other spooky happenings that there's really so much that I can go into in future episodes. So suffice to say, uh, I think I'll have some great stuff coming up for everybody. I appreciate everybody listening and tuning in. If you have a question you would like me to address on this podcast, please visit the contact page at lyleblackburn.com. What does lurk in the primitive wilds of Honey Island Swamp? Is the legendary creature a Bigfoot? A Dogman? An enduring hallucination? Or something that we have yet to classify in terms of science? As far as a Bigfoot, it doesn't quite fit the mold. While the Honey Island Swamp Monster has been described as hairy and bipedal, albeit with slender legs, its alleged footprint is far from the typical anatomy associated with those sorts of creatures. The idea that this could be a dogman or werewolf-like creature, perhaps a living form of the legendary Cajun Rougarou, is a valid one. Yet again, if we put stock in the tracks, it appears to be something non-canid. Not to mention there are virtually no descriptions of a snout pointed ears, or any other traits to place it in the realms of the so-called dogmen. Perhaps if this creature does exist, it is some kind of throwback to a prehistoric age or a cryptid we have yet to define. It's hard to get a real sense when we only have anecdotal reports and we don't have an actual specimen to examine. Yet there are things that could be lurking in our world somewhere between the shadows and light 
still beyond the grasp of known science or even paranormal understanding. In a place like Honey Island Swamp, this is all the more possible. The place where a primitive paradise remains untouched by the sullied streets of the boisterous city just miles away. Honey Island is a place whose secrets may only be revealed in the mysterious, muted lights of Monstro Bizarro. For more information about my books, music, and research, please visit lyleblackburn.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.